Welcome to the Signal Line Remote Viewing Podcast, a podcast owned and run by Daz Smith from RemoteViewed.com, the resource for everything remote viewing. This podcast is dedicated to sharing remote viewing related interviews, views, news, resources, and much more. Hi, I'm Daz. Welcome to the Signal Line. Today's podcast was recorded on the 29th of October, 2021. It's a community discussion and it includes a whole range of topics, hints, tips, and advice for your remote viewing. Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi, Daz. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. (coughs) Hi, Daz. I'm going to join twice. Once is my lab and once is me, I think. (laughs) Okay. Uh, for those here, uh, Sasha's gonna, I guess, have her lamp on. She's got a special Silotron magical lamp that she's gonna have running, I think, in the background. Um, and apparently, it can pick up on uh, uh, random changes caused by psychic activity, and it changes colors depending on what people are talking about. We can put a link into in the chat window so you can have a look at all the uh, the data and the stats on it. Um, Oh, yes. Yeah. What's that? Oh. <laughs> You'll have to forgive the phallicness of it. <laughs> we had a we had a play with this. Actually, that sounds a bit wrong. We we uh, experimented with it briefly on Discord the other night to see if we could get it to change color intentionally, with uh, mixed results. I think. Sasha got quite upset when we started bullying the lamp and saying horrible things to it. What colors does it change to? Um, Sasha's best on this because I don't know a huge amount to it, but um, it goes. To, it can go yellow, green, two shades of blue, bright red, purple. So pretty much all the colors of the rainbow, really. And it's got se- it's got all these different modes that you can sell it on. Or two different modes, at least, that you can set it on. Uh, I don't know which she got it on tonight. I think she wants to see if if, if it if responds in any way to the uh, to the tone of the conversations. Interesting. So Very Sasha, interesting. Yeah. Cool. So, so, Sasha, what color does that represent right now? Is that kind of neutral? Okay, so right now it's pink. And I have to go mute my laptop because I'm trying to join with two different computers. But yes, it does do all the colors of the rainbow. Done. Yeah. When I start talking, it's going to turn purple haze. <laughs> You're inviting another Facebook. What was that thing? Uh, you, you were misrepresenting Jimmy uh, Jimmy it's James Hendrix. or something? Oh, Jimmy yeah, Hendrix, they, right? Right. They think I'm Jimmy Hendrix imposter. <laughs> <laughs> you I wish I was Jimmy Hendrix. Jimmy. <laughs> There's more than one famous Jimmy, right? Oh, I don't have yeah. sound. 
Are you gonna eat this? Okay, you're gone. Wrap it. So there have been a number of people banned on Facebook that are <laughs> there, I think, for a couple of different reasons. Um, some for like the jokes that they were posting. You yeah. just got whacked for you know, you know being too be, being too good in your guitar solos. Um, yeah, there was a someone else too. I can't remember. I've been kind of lucky so far. I've been waiting for the axe to fall. <laughs> it can happen hey, anytime. What about uh, a virtual lamp that changes psychically? So your your last virtual trip, right? You were rendering that. Oh yeah, that's you saw that, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah, Pablo is re referring to. Uh, a post to my Facebook page where I took a picture in my backyard, cut out all the periphery except for me, and then put it in a 3D illustration that essentially I made it look photographic. I was pretty happy with it. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just messing around, kept messing with it. You know, you saw some iterations there. Anybody who's here can check my Facebook page. It's all public. So, but I uh, had a lot of fun with that. But yeah, Facebook might come after me. <laughs> Bear with me, guys. I'm still uh, letting people in here. Um, but uh, as you all know, it's a pretty open chat tonight. So it's discuss anything that you guys want to discuss. I've got some comments that were left on Facebook that we might be able to discuss, uh, see what people want to discuss there. But yeah, if any of you guys got anything to share this evening or if you've got any questions you want to ask any of the knowledgeable people here on this expanding list, uh, then feel free. It's just open and let's let's see see where this goes, I guess. Uh, as we discussed, yeah. some of you that have just come in the last 20 or so people, we have a lamp on, on Sasha's image there. Uh, hopefully someone will post the link about the lamp later and all oh, the details of it i'll try to do that down excellent thank you sasha and then, and then you can get some details on it it's done by a company that makes these um random event generator machines uh, i think it's got one in the lamp itself and they used to have these little devices you could hook up to your computer uh, and see if you can you know effectively make it go more or less random uh when you're doing your rv sessions and when you're doing the psychic stuff well it's been changing colors already look that it went from pink and then it was uh, white there and now it's kind of blue so how it works is that it cycles through the rainbow colors um i'm just gonna actually i'm just gonna mute my other laptop hold up the link's in the uh, chat window there if any of you want to follow the link there to the the website where all the details of this are mm -hmm. So while she's doing that, I have something that I'd like to bring up. Uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, you had set up um, a thing to predict top news events for November, and a number of us have submitted RV sessions to that, right? Well, after I submitted my sessions, it came. I came to realize that I didn't want you to reveal them until after the thing happened because some of them were troubling let's put it that way um 
Okay, I'm and, intrigued. Uh, and and I there's something that I learned in um, Pam Coronado's class, and that is if you know too much about like some event, let's call it an open case, because in her case she's doing detective work. If you know too much about an open case, you become the uh, the uh, the subject of investigation. They think you did it. You're you're somehow involved in it. And uh, one of the things that I had in one of my sessions wasn't kind of like that, but the people who might be affected by it could think that I had some prior knowledge of it or whatever. So I decided, you know what, maybe it's better we hold this thing back until it happens or if it happens. If it doesn't happen, then I don't care after, you know. Okay, so you've done yours, but you're not going to submit it to the public voter until after the month's happened? I guess what I'm... Um, so how did you do this, Des? Are they all lumped into one big folder? Uh, I haven't put them in a folder yet. I've just collected them on my desktop at the moment. I have, I have about 19 of them at the moment ready to go in a folder for anyone that wants to to have a look at. Um, and then the first, the first chat window that we get, which is, I don't know when that will be, uh, maybe the, probably not the 5th, 5th of November, because that's bonfire night. So it would probably have to be the, for the week following, the 12th of November. We we could have a look or discuss each other's remote viewing sessions, and, and you know, because we got we still got half of a month to go then to see if, if they come true or not, or if some of them come to pass by then. So, uh, you know, your crypto group, do they sort of announce these things ahead of time? Or yes. Y yeah, we always do, do our RV uh, uh, before the end of the month, and they go out like the first, day or two on on of the new month so everyone gets to see all the information up front and it's recorded then in the public kind of ecosphere oh i see i see okay um well i was just having a conversation with um uh, some people on facebook um uh, henny's group she was talking about um you know announcing these things ahead of time and i brought up the the subject of um, this example. Suppose I say that um, my next coin toss is going to be heads. Well, that's going to make a lot of people who were previously not interested sort of now focusing, focusing in on this event. Okay, so they're all looking to see what your next coin toss is going to be. You've got a lot more people focused. This is a harmless example. But suppose instead I predict that your next automobile journey will end badly. So now you've got a lot of people who are focused in on this thing that wouldn't normally be. And I maintain that this additional focus can change physical reality. You know, of course, you have your disinterested personalities who are not going to pay that much attention. But you might actually have some gung-ho people who start following you around because they want to see this accident, or maybe they want to record it on video. They're actually affecting you by their observation. So I don't know where this all leads, but I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe we can talk about it. How do you feel about that? 
It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, we've covered this many times, and I think Lynn Buchanan's talked about it as well. Um, if you predict an experiment or you predict something that happens and people take action upon your in information and stop that event happening, did you see it happening in the first place? You know, there's all kinds of... Yeah. All kinds of uh, connotations there, and yeah, it gets quite complicated. It does. It you reminds... know, it, re it reminds me a little bit on the retrocausation experiment, and we could go even, instead of talking about people, we could even talk about experiments right now being done in the lab with, with particles, where they've seen, you know, that uh, cause and effect can even reverse the order. So, so that's a very interesting subject. You don't know what's making what, right? So, so great topic, Don. I think I can't provide too much on that, but but I also think it's it's worth exploring a little bit. Uh, what did you mean by cause and effect can cause reverse order? So, in some of the experiments uh, that have been done, not only thought experiments, but you know, actual experiments in retrocausation, is that you don't know which one will take the place, the, the cause or defect, the, the before or after. You know, like that said, what is causing it? it? It is because it happened first that you, you saw it happening in the future, or it's because you saw it happening in the future that you're causing it to, to happen. Like, like yeah. the chicken or the egg, what, what's first, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I guess it depends on the event, isn't it? I mean, if you see a a building collapse for example uh is 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 there any truth that you might have caused the building to collapse or did you just see it collapse you know i don't think we're powerful enough to probably cause some huge events to happen um but who knows i guess yeah that's the uh, thing right. my only chance is imagine that because you saw it you may prompt someone to uh, you know like like the unibomber or something like that yes to, to blow up that building right oh absolutely there's always and you know i've seen you know because you guys know I, myself and crypto view and we've been posting public predictions for well through crypto viewing for free nearly four years but even uh going back as far as when i was doing it with courtney we did we did loads of uh prediction projects so that's going back nearly 10 years and on the odd occasion we have had uh i have to be honest some complete absolute nutcases approach us uh possibly you know i'm not saying they're going to act out on the information but you can imagine the kind of nutcases you get out there on the internet that when they see your information they go all down all different routes that's why i'm all always very wary about what i put out there even like a couple of months ago with the mushroom cloud kind of thing because as soon as five of us saw mushroom cloud in our rv sessions we put that out there we then had to go on a almost a campaign of tempering everyone down because everyone went into panic mode you know everyone started seeing that there was going to be a massive tsunami that was going to hit america and everything so you just have to be very careful with what you do put out there john you can actually change the outcome depending on how big of an event it is if it's just a personal event yes you can you just have to find the uh, what can i say the algorithm to the outcome of why it's happening and then reverse it. Uh, explain that a little bit more. I'm not sure I completely got that. What I do is that I use it and I 
whenever I see the outcome of whatever it is that they, yeah, I'm working as a consultant and I see the outcome of what is going to happen with this project. What I do is that I keep seeing that we're going on the same road. I change that algorithm by figuring out who is actually the main, what can I say, writer on this. And what I do is that I go in and change whatever they are considering to have this um, project going into the full course of, um, how do you say, um, in, the way, in the way that they wanted to do it. Because it, if you have, example, a project where you see what 80% of the 80% uh, of what is coming out is, is defect and you want to have and change the algorithm to about 25%. Well, you know that if your project lead or program lead says, well, no, we got to change, we got to go this way. What you do is you change his mind, the outcome of what he believes in. And this way you can actually change the whole entire algorithm among the project and the people that is within the project. And this, nope. this is the same thing I see here. You just have to, yeah, well, say if someone thinks about a yellow color, but you want them to be think about red, that means that you add that into the algorithm. All right, so if I'm following this correctly, you're actually doing a little bit of remote influencing to change the perceived outcome. Not necessary. Because of what you do is that you just have to be stronger in your perception of how the project is going to be. Doesn't mean that you change whatever the person is thinking, but because you are not just changing that person, but this means that you're changing the whole project. So what you do is that you change the algorithm of the outcome instead of the person's mind. Change the algorithm of the outcome. Yeah. It's, I, I'll probably have to figure out how to say it very simple. Let me think about it. Okay. But yeah. Thank you, Dias. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, before we go any further with this, let's, let's just let Sasha explain about her, her lamp thing, uh, and then we can get that out of the way and keep an eye on it in the background. Yeah. Sasha, do you want to go ahead with that? I do. Okay, so <laughs> also I just wanted to say as well um, regarding the last point, because I think we don't quite understand everything about how Sci works yet. And I know that the pair research lab, they found that some people have the opposite of their intended effect. Um, and, and some people had a stronger effect, but again, it was in opposition to what their intended effect was. So I think our concerns that when we make public something like the remote viewing of the mushroom cloud, that somehow having all those people worry about it, think about it, focus on it, will somehow bring it to pass. To me, it seems like the evidence shows the opposite, if any effect at all. If there is an effect of all these people focusing on it, it seems like it reduces the probability of those things occurring because even accurate remote viewers who remote view these catastrophes, it doesn't really seem to be borne out, right? So the mushroom cloud ends up being a small volcano rather than a huge nuclear war or the earthquake that was supposed to be the civilization ending earthquake uh, ends up being a 7.8. And so it seems to me that either by focusing on it, we are reducing its probability or remote viewing is always seeing the most catastrophic so that you can warn people so that people can prepare 
and then a lesser event happens. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if we should be so worried about, about people focusing on these things or about people being concerned about these things, because it seems to me that some of the past data indicate that that's maybe not as much of a concern um, as, as we worry about. I don't know, that's my, that's my view. Um, are you able to see my screen? Yes. Yes, Hector. Okay, good. So you're able to see the mind lamp? Yep. Yeah, okay. So uh, this is how it works. It basically has a random event generator in it. And so that's what controls the colors that the light shows. There are two settings. I can set it to white light and then we try to make it flash a light, uh, a color, or I can leave it on the rainbow um, cycle and then through intent, we try to focus on like a pink color and we try to get it to go to the pink color more often and to stay and linger in that pink for longer. Um, and I'm choosing pink because for me, that's, I've bonded with my lamp now. And so I've, it already understands that if I'm really joyful, if I'm feeling exuberant, or even if I'm just in a really concentrated flow state, um, it'll, it'll sh shine pink. But some people I think who might have more I don't want to say power, but yes, power than I do, I think could probably override that. And I think group effects can override individual effects. So I think if we all agree that, okay, we're going to try to make it go pink um, and stay pink longer, then we should be able to see some good results. Um, but yes, when we tested it, no bullying of the lamp is the message that we learned <laughs> from the testing session. I am very emotionally, because you do bond with it because it's responsive. Um, and so you end up bonding with the lamp <laughs> because every time I'm very, very happy and I have it on, it's glowing pink for me. Um, or every time I'm concentrating and focused, I'm, I'm getting really good work done, it glows pink for me. And so you do start to... Uh, to see it as a little being and a little entity in your space. Um, so please don't bully my lamp. Don't try to forcefully um, force it to go pink. Just try to love it into a happy pink state. <laughs> and this is the information about the random event generator that's in the lamp um, that's doing the color choice. Um, unfortunately, Cyleron no longer offers any of these things for sale. They don't they don't sell the lamps anymore, and they no longer sell these personal uh, random event generators. They were basically, it's the same technology or it's the same um, line of tech that was used to develop the, um, the global initiative. What is it called, Daz? Coherence initiative, was it? Yeah, yes. consciousness or coherence or something like that, I think it is. Yes, yeah, so where they have these random event generators placed all over the world, and then um, they just monitor them and they average the data, and then they just show a chart of the averaged data. And when there are significant events, then they typically see that the average data behaves outside of, of what's expected from the norm. And that's the exact same thing that the mind lamp is doing. So when, when the 
it, it relies on electron tunneling. But so when the behavior is outside of the normal expectations for the, for the statistics for that random event generator, then that's what causes the color change. But you don't have to focus on affecting the REG for it to work. You can just look at the beautiful lamp, send it some love <laughs> and intent, essentially, um, and you should see a nice color change. So I, is, does that help or? Yeah, that, I think that's good explanation. So did you want to pick a color or did you want to try if people consciously go for your pink color or something? I want pink. I, I, I'm not giving people the vote. <laughs> I've just decided that, yeah, let's go for pink. Um, because I know that for me, that's something that I'm able to affect. Um, but I have had, like, I have had friends over. I had a friend who liked orange. And after a while, whenever he came over, my light would would flash orange and just stay orange for him against my own will. <laughs> um, so we could do pink for half a half a session. And then if we want, we can switch it up later in the afternoon. If pink is too, is a color that's, that people have too much reluctance <laughs> over. <laughs> but see, it's pink now. And another thing to keep in mind as well, um, is that my lighting, I've tried to, to give proper lighting, but the color that I'm seeing in real life is slightly different um, than what you're going to see. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like right now, I'm just trying to find, yeah, so right now you're seeing it a pink, a soft lavender pink, and I'm seeing it a slightly darker lavender pink, but it's still in the same realm. So I think that works. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll definitely keep an eye on it in the corner then, I guess. Perfect. Excellent. Thanks, Sasha. Okay, thank you. Um, and to answer your your question on uh, before we move on or go back to the the uh, what to do with the news project, um, my only worry is that there are people out there making money off of doom predictions, and yes. there are there are people out there that just they just feed off of doom mongering. You know that's all they live for. So that's that's my worry when when I myself put out predictions. Um, and it's uh, no, I'm not going to say anything more. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I nearly yeah, said I, I could see that, but I also wonder if the people that that look for that information and feed off of the fear, if they're if they're not going to do that anyway, they're going to if they don't come to a remote viewing site and worry about a mushroom cloud, they'll go to a climate alarmism site and worry about climate change, or they'll go read about the Yellowstone supervolcano and they'll worry that that's about to explode. So I think some people who enjoy being in that state, I think they might look to, to find whatever impetus they can to maintain that state of, of concern and fear and, and preparation. So I'm not sure that we're necessarily contributing to the problem, but I do, I do agree with you that it seems a bit repulsive for people who, to profit off others' fear. And, and I see that, yeah. I have a slightly different opinion on it based on experience in that a known serial killer uh, had... Uh, on their main website linked to their manifesto remote viewing work that i had been involved in doing prediction work oh dear god so i'm a bit more conscious in what i put out there and how people may um 
may use that information because people you know i'll just be honest there are normal people out there but there are people that see different things in in things that you put out there than what you intend to be seeing um and use it to their own belief systems so i'm just saying it's all it's all a personal decision but on our on our going back to our, our news project what would we like to do um would you like to keep all the information until after the month and then discuss it or would you would you guys because you know i think we've got like 19 sessions in there from people some of the people in this group some of them aren't here this evening um do we want to talk about them before you know before the events happen i think it's case by case does because uh, some of the folks i spoke to you know they wanted to be you know out there open and uh get all I mean, the credit what, for it you know <laughs> do, we want, do we want to give access to anyone you know so you know anyone that's on like the facebook group uh, five thousand people we give them access to all the session or should we just give access to the sessions to the people that contributed sessions until the end of until the month ended i think if we give prior access then it's more persuasive for our hits because if we hold it all back and then after the end of the month then we share our results well that's then people have to trust that you're not yes and i've had that many times in the past where people said how do we believe that you did it that's why we've when we start off recording we we always put the predictions out uh, in advance of the of the the events uh so that people could see that they were all out there in, in the open and we didn't you know fudge the data but i'm willing to go with you know it's not my project it's a community project i'm willing to go with what everyone wants to do i mean do we want to allow anyone that goes to that Facebook group to access all, all of those RV sessions and make up their own mind? Oh, that's an interesting question. Because, you know, you do have 5,000 people who could then download all those RV sessions and send them all around the planet and do what they want with them. So that's something... I mean, you know, my stuff gets done like that all the time anyway because I just chuck everything online. Um, you know, I am conscious of what I'm doing to a certain degree, um, but, you know, as part of my job is I have to provide rv data to subscribers so i'm kind of used to it a little bit but i know you guys probably aren't so used to potentially thousands of people accessing your data before an event's happened yeah uh okay so i think i'm going to have to hold mine back or at least i'll ask you to hold mine back um because potentially a lot of people could be involved. Uh, I don't want that coming out ahead of time um, because it might be something that could have been avoidable or people can accuse me of having insider knowledge. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's my, my take on my sessions. Now, other people may have different kind of news. Yeah. I mean, what we could do is we could ask everyone that submitted a session what they, you know, I guess what they want to do. If they want to, if they want it to be public beforehand and if they want us to discuss it in a, in a chat meeting in a couple of weeks time or if they uh, just want to hold off until the end of the month and then show their stuff in a, in a review after the fact. Actually, I wouldn't mind showing my stuff in a chat group to the other people who submitted because they're all got skin in the game they all know what it feels like um but are there other people attending this zoom uh right now that well you know, bear in mind as well that i usually record these and stick them online as well for for you know for whoever's out there in the rv land or you know internet land to to, to watch well are there 
Yeah, but I'm just wondering whether other people here have other opinions they want to express. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh... I, yes, um, I just want to see heads up. I have kept mine very, very secret because I know, again, as a consultant, if I go in and say I use this, just a tad of remote, I'm going to be blacklisted as a witchcraft, as a woo-woo, as a crazy. I, I cannot use it whatsoever. You know, I can't come out and say, hey, this is what I do whenever I go into a project, right? That I actually know the project's outcome when I talk with them and sit in the meeting room with them, the first part, right? I can't tell them that, that I already know when they ask, do you want more information? I'm going, no, I already got that, right? It's like, hey, I, in that way, I would never be able to sit forward and put it posted on LinkedIn or anywhere else uh, that this is what I'm doing when I go into a project, right? I can't do that because I know that I will be slaughtered on the battlefield, if you understand me. Okay. But your guys on in your RV sessions, could you not, if there's any sensitive data in there, could you not censor any named companies or anything so it's just more general? You ask me? Or who? Uh, well, you or Don or anyone that may be reconsidering uh, putting their stuff out there beforehand. Well, I I would say this way, uh, me personally, no. And if I do, then I will be under another name because they had, uh, knowing that if someone else gets a nose on it, basically that this is what I'm doing, right? I'm done. I'm done with my IT business. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, most uh, a lot of viewers out there do use pseudonyms when they do their RV work. So that's that's pretty much a norm if you want to publish anything public um, RV-wise for a lot of people. Yeah, I've, I've thought about that because uh, there, I, I talk with uh, several of my co-workers. They're not into, uh, into this like I am and have used it, but they are very curious. And that curiosity has actually said, if we open, talk about this in, in, as a consultant, that we're gone. We, we're, we're, we can hire, maybe be hired at McDonald's, but that's it, right? We're done as consultants, right? And, and we know that, right? Because it's so far out that people are going, are you going crazy? What's going on? Do we need to, you know, you need to be on drugs or anything else? That kind of thing, right? So, yeah, y'all understand what I'm saying, but yeah, it's but a it's professional like, reputation, sure. Yeah, it is, and it's really hard to say. Okay, should you step forward? What should I do? You know, am I on my way out? But I also feel like as soon as I step forward, I'm being slammed down, like on a battlefield, right, or on a, a American football you know, field. That's so, interesting what you said, Des, about uh, pseudonyms. I didn't think about doing that. My name yeah. is all over my session. It's pretty much, I mean, that's why the viewers in Stargate had a number, uh, and TDS and all the people when they, you know, when they first started uh, teaching people, they all had uh, code names. Uh, I think, I don't know if uh, John, John Knowles is here. I don't know if he, if he had a, a code name that he used, but you know, for many years, I, when I first started, I, I didn't, I never used to put my name on any of the RV sessions. I always used to, used to use a, a four letter code just like a nickname a code name and to be honest mine just used to be my my gamer tag that i used to use you know playing counter-strike and stuff like that um 
So it is, it is pretty much a norm, anyone doing RV sessions that they think is going to be public, not to put their actual name on the RV sessions and, and use a, a pseudonym that they're known under. All right, so that changes the complexion of things a little bit because, well, first of all, the person who authored the session can't really talk about it, right? Because that reveals who you are. So that means who is talking about it? Would that be just you? Uh, we haven't discussed how we're going to do any of this yet. It's you know, it's just a just a public experiment we I posted in nineteen or twenty of you guys participated in. May I intervene? This is Erica. Yeah, go for it. Okay, thanks. Um, it reminds me of the identification of safety occurrences that we do in in aviation uh, in order not to punish anyone, um, just for safety investigation purposes and to uh, avoid any similar events in the future. So the idea that you had, um, that you discussed right now is to de-identify, at least for public, if we are talking about the public release, like on the internet openly, I'm fully for de-identifying it. Meaning, um, I mean, sure you can, you can use a different name, but I think it's just a random number of, um, this is a number which, Pretty much as a person, but the number of person, you know, just de-identified, and this these were the results. That is one approach that I see. Only, only you, Des, or whoever would be actually gathering all this information, and maybe then confirming to the person, okay, I received your information. This is your number. Only you know, and it's up to you if you want to share it or not. But so that there's there's some sort of de-identification to that level, so that um, in public you you wouldn't be able to trace. Then the next aspect, the discussion about the individual sessions. Um, again, if it's open on the internet, you post it on the YouTube. Uh, well, Facebook, it's by subscription. The group, I don't know how much filtering is going on there. Who can subscribe? Who cannot subscribe? And you how all that goes uh, but that's where i'm thinking would it be smart if that would be smart to have an open discussion with the actual authors of the um of the sessions just because of the voice just because of the i don't know there are many aspects um yeah i, I don't know so that's that is my concern and whoever is actually in charge of that um um session for example um like you, then, then you might just describe and, and and the person who actually submits this information for me, it's I haven't submitted it yet. It's in the process, but it's not just the pictures. I'm trying to describe as much as possible. And at the end of the day, it is what is on the paper. And um, so, and that should be uh, readable, you know? So um, yeah, so those are my thoughts. Maybe we just keep them all in the folder for now um, because, you know, we can't get people to go back and do their RV sessions and take their names off them for a start, you know, because some people have wrote their names on them. No, no, um, you keep the names. You are the one who de-identifies them. Yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want to be the person that has to read through 20 plus remote viewing sessions and explain all the data. You know, I, oh, you mean they are on each page. That's what you mean. Yeah, most people, oh, some okay. people, some people put, I mean, I, I tend to put, put my name on on most pages of a of a 10 to 20 page rv session 
Um, but I, you know, I don't care about my stuff to be honest, because mine's going out public anyway through crypto viewing. Um, but I think maybe for the case of this project, we keep the we don't put them in public for now. But all the people that have submitted sessions can have access to the sessions in the folder. Um, and in a couple of weeks time we can have a chat meeting and anyone who does feel like they want to discuss their rv for the for the month and what they predicted they're, they they're free to do so and anyone else that doesn't want to doesn't doesn't have to and maybe after the end of the month if we want to do another review then to see how everyone was accurate um then again those people get a ch chance to talk about their stuff again if they want to yes or no really that would that be sounds, easiest for now that that sounds i like that okay and you know if people didn't uh didn't submit then they don't get to see have access to the folder and see people's rv sessions so it might Sounds be an incentive to, yeah it might be an incentive to get them to chuck in a remote viewing session next time Are you happy with that and to be honest, you know, if people are a bit unsure about talking about their stuff in public anyway, uh, just in case they may be wrong, um, you know, it gives them the chance that they don't have to. It's just the people that want to talk about it will. I mean, I don't even know if I'll talk about mine, even though it'd be in public, because the first one that I did, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. My one was, a, you know, and I'm probably in, I'm not in front loading people now because there's only a day to do an RV session. But one of my, my first one was pretty extreme. And I was like, what the heck's this about? Why am I putting this in here when everyone's going to see it? <laughs> <laughs> There's a real concern when you, you know, write this stuff down on paper. I have that every month on, you know, for free, for three and a half years now, we've been putting out monthly predictions on crypto viewing. And every month it's like thousands of people are going to see this and you're brought up every single month on how accurate you are on, on your remote viewing time after time after time. It's a... It, you know, it is a bit of a challenge to get over, you know, because you are only as good as your last remote viewing session. Yeah, 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 really. We're all disposable. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, you do get over it over time. And after, and I wouldn't say it's easy, but after, you know, I'm, I'm lucky because I'm doing it continuously week after week. Uh, and I'd say after probably about, I don't know, two, three months, you pretty much do forget about it other than when you have a big one like you know when we all got the mushroom cloud and we were like well, what the heck's happening here or last year when we did rv sessions and we were like none of us were picking up events that were meant to happen and we were like what the heck's happening why isn't there a macy's day parade you know it doesn't make it doesn't make sense so when we were getting obscure things like that that's that was the that, i gotta be honest that's the worrying thing when you get all of you getting the same data um Gen generally you forget about it and you just move on and do it but i think that's a good way forward well all the people that, that have put sessions in and you know we, they got a day to get another one in um i'll email all those individually they all have access to the same folder so they look at everyone's session but they can't share them we'll make it rules you can look at everyone's sessions because you're all contributing but you can't publicly share them anywhere if you guys all agree to that and uh those that want to talk about it in a couple of weeks time halfway through the month we can do and those that don't don't bother with it and then after the month's ended when we can do the proper feedback review uh again those who want to talk about it can those that don't want to talk about it can can keep quiet on it and if the project's successful in any way we can uh we can maybe run another one if you guys want to well i 
for my part. This thing was very interesting. But as I was talking to somebody else about, uh, top global news is rarely joyful. Okay, there's usually, yeah. you know, so there's hardly any news that's uh, ever good around the world. You know, when you're looking at the nightly news, maybe the last thing at the end of the thing is like, oh, and here's a good luck story. There was a puppy that did blah 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 blah. <laughs> But that's not top global news. That's you know that's usually a little snippet of local news at the end. The majority ninety, I would say ninety nine percent of of global news is negative, yeah. in some form. Yeah, but you know we could we could maybe tailor the news so we could maybe uh, you know instead of the top global news we could say I don't know the top positive news in America in in December or something you know. And see what we get on something like that. So we could be quite specific in what we're looking for, and see if we can get uh, get something along those lines. If people want to do that. But you already got one as spouses saying that we're not going to have Christmas this year. <laughs> I haven't looked that far ahead, so I don't know. Sorry about that, but it's like you know, hey, and you know it's going to come up in December, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so we got some hands up here. Uh, Paul, do you want to do you want to go first? Uh, sure, thanks, Taz. Hi there. Uh, <clears throat> I had some observations about CRV and time and space. <clears throat> in in the CRV, you can um, have move commands, and um, I think that's stage four mainly, and so you can go through space. Uh, by by move commands and in stage six you can have uh timeline changes so those are time commands and my conclusion from this is that the with with remote viewing and crv that we're not actually going beyond time and space but we're simply dancing through it like a ballerina but we're still within time and space and i don't, I don't know what the feelings are of the group here that are more experienced than I am. Does anything, anyone want to add anything to this huge decomplex uh, comment or question that Paul's asking? All I can say, Paul, is um, I have no idea what's going on, I think. Um, I think whatever RV is, it likes to play jokes on me. And when, every time I think that I've nailed it, it then comes up and says, no, you haven't, and then flips the coin on me completely. So I, I just have no idea. Sometimes I think I'm traveling in time and space. Sometimes I think I'm not. I, do, I just don't. I really do not. You know, 24 and a half years, I just don't understand what's happening. I don't know what anyone else thinks on this, though. Uh, can I just ask, um, yeah. Paul, I, are I, you... I'm sorry, Don. I was just—I just had an idea that seems to fit here. Yeah, um, go ahead. As I came to the meeting, I had this idea. As I was doing my viewings this month, can you hear me? Okay. Can you get closer to the microphone? I'm just going to these earphones. How's that? Is that better? Oh, much better. better. Oh, much much better. Much better. Okay, so. When I was coming to the meeting, I got this idea, just hit me. Um, have you ever heard of blind sight? Yep. So when someone's blind, 
but they do tests. And for some reason, this person gets, you know, hits above uh, chance on being able to see the objects that are presented. And this is how I feel when I'm doing remote viewing. I feel like I have blindsight because I'm not actually seeing anything, but I just know what, it, what I'm seeing. Like I know there's a racetrack there. I know there's cars. I know there's gas fumes everywhere, but I don't see any of it. <laughs> it's just weird. And yet there are times when I get flashes and I do see images, colors very briefly. And so it seems like um, it's not really sight. It's kind of more of a, a knowing, you know? Um, and anyway, that's the impression that was hitting me as I was coming to this group. And I'm not sure why. But I do think it applies to what we're talking about here. And that's how I feel when I'm doing remote viewing. I feel like I'm having blind sight where I really can't see what's there. And yet I just know what's there. And with pretty good accuracy, I just confidently write it down and take it, you know, and like the first time I did the um, RV that Daz put for a test, which was the Voyager. Um, I, and I was on the Voyager liftoff from Cape Canaveral there. I felt myself going up with the Voyager. I was standing on the Voyager and holding on to it and looking out over space like I was standing on a, a podium. And I didn't think I had any of it right. Like when he said it was Voyager, I thought, this is weird. I drew this circular thing and I drew it from blind sight, but then a few days later when I looked at it, it suddenly all made perfect sense. And it seemed like I could see it and I could hear the voices for sure. Like my auditory seems to be much more clear. Like when I go somewhere, I can hear the sounds better than I can see things at first. I guess maybe it takes some time and I haven't given myself the time to really open up and have the visual, which I'm working on. Um, so that was just the comment that I wanted to make about blind sight and how you guys, you know, maybe um, feel about how that applies to this topic. Um, I, I, I watched yesterday uh, a video, the interview um, that Michael Talbot gave um, on 1992 at Mishlov. So, and he said something very uh, interesting and very, he brought a very interesting analogy. And he said, imagine uh, you have a being that does not understand uh, three-dimensionality and then you put a fish in a fish tank and then you have this fish moving. And if you look from one side, you see the tail wagging. And then when you look from the other side, 90 degrees, you see the head maybe and the head moving. And now if it, you have two people watching and they think they are two different fishes, they, that these two different fishes um, move in synch uh, synchronically, but it's the same fish and it's the same fish 
but we don't, if we don't understand three-dimensionality, we will never understand that it's one fish and not two. And he was, he brought this analogy um, in reference to the um, electrons, uh, uh, it's the electrons, yes, I think so, that do synchronically, so the, the twin, the twin particles that um, if you, if you change the spin on one, this, the, this twin will, will, will uh, change a spin as well. And we think they are kilometers apart. That's what we think, but maybe uh, it's the same. You, I, I recommend that it was very interesting. It's a very interesting um, interview to watch on, uh, on YouTube. Excellent. Thanks for that. Yes, yeah, if I'll see if I can find the link and put it in the chat window for you guys. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else have any anything else on this topic that uh, Paul brought up about time in CRV? I think uh, that when we're viewing, etc., we're actually focusing our consciousness into uh, kind of like how. Jeffrey Mishlove was talking about things being imaginal, basically that plane of existence. I think our subconscious is taking the impressions it's getting off of whatever we're viewing and trying to build up a picture in a way that we'll understand it there, if that makes any kind of sense. So there's, um, what I'm thinking about is the specific time uh, it was one of the RV lectures, which kind of explained that if you put a date, it's really a concept. So you would have to tie the target, the intent, not to the date, but to something else, like to the, uh, to the event itself. As our calendars, of course, are non-relevant. I mean, they differ from one world, from one place in the world to another one. Um, so... That is something that I'm still a bit confused. Uh, the use of a specific, for targeting, use a specific date or year. So it would be useless, kind of, in comparison to actually focusing on certain event or um, I don't know how to describe a certain emotions or feeling or outcome or I don't know. Um, so any thoughts about that? Because I'm still confused. Because I thought that if you, if you, if you have your intent on certain time frame anyway, because you're, you're, you're living in certain time frame, then you say, okay, this is the time frame where my intent goes to, to and I'm living in this paradigm. So my time frame is this, and I'm looking at this, at this time, whenever, you know, it's like a, the wheel has different spokes and you're in the middle of that wheel and you just focus your intention to any one of those timelines. So it has a date. Okay, it has a date, but it is your date. It is your reference point. So I'm still really not convinced that that uh, stating actual, like a calendar, year, month, date, and time would not make, would not be 
uh, appropriate. I don't know, what, am I right or not? <laughs> what is your experience? I mean, it worked for me, uh, you know, in, in crypto viewing and in uh, all the work I did for Courtney beforehand. Uh, I don't have a problem with dates, you know, if if we're expected to look into the past or into the future, that's te that tends to be where I where I go into the past or into into the future. I, I mean, I think with all things RV related, uh, whatever you believe yourself internally, I think that creates your your RV existence. Um, you know, and same, and maybe it's the same with you know the question, the large question we were asked, we were talking about the uh, the time element, you know, CRV and time, time and tra time travel. Um, maybe that's dependent on your your frame of mind or your belief system at the point of you doing the RV session that you know allows you to do certain things. Odd, but that makes sense because then we are so different, and yet it works. Yes. Yeah. Because you know, working with like Niams here, and uh, we, I work with Dick as well in uh, in crypto viewing, and Dick kind of has a different. He has a bit more softer approach to time than I do. Where with his predictions, he allows his predictions to go like uh, a thirty or ninety day window after the event date, because he knows that his consciousness he can't set it to go to a set moment in time and only stick to that set moment in time that it, you know his consciousness doesn't know that exists it might slip over by a couple of weeks if there's a a key event whereas i'm a bit more hardcore in my approach i'm a bit like okay i have a 30 day window if it didn't happen in that 30 day window then that's it is a miss kind of approach so you know i think it depends on you know you know i think it's like you know in the film the matrix and you shape your you shape your reality with your with your belief systems and your faults and your intents. Yeah, as I think it gets even a bit more complicated if you uh, consider the possibility that there are multiple universes, multiple space and multiple timelines. And um, so it's not just within this universe and timeline, but it could be anywhere all through all the various uh, alternatives absolutely yeah it's a as i said it's a complex subject and we just don't know enough about the mechanism of rv and psi at this stage to 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 know with the time thing i, I do know that uh dr ed may thinks uh, I, I i think i'm correct in this and john may correct me if i'm wrong he believes that all remote viewing is precognition um, I'm not sure if I believe that yet. I I need to see more data on that. But that's that's what uh, seems to be coming out of the lab, I guess, on the uh, on the basis of this. It doesn't make sense if that's precognition because I mean, for some of the uh, our remote viewers from the original programs, and as far as I remember, some of them still don't know the outcomes of certain sessions, so they're blind. <laughs> to the targets um, forever and yet somehow this data was used so how it can be precognition i mean well, it may so based be, on what it may be because everyone involved in the project has an influence on the project and maybe it's precognition from one of the other people involved like a tasker or analyst maybe it's not a precognition because then it has to it's not just a precognition in that case because then it ha would have John. to be transferred to another person 
I'm, I'm not convinced. I don't think it is that easy or that simple. I wanted to come on here if I could on some of this uh, material. Um, yeah, Daz, Ed May does, does hold that uh, all psi, PSI is precognitive. Um, and some people believe him and some don't. I, I wanted to also revisit um, this thing about time and whether Dick's uh, Algiers have a loose version of it and so forth. And people who've read Deborah in my book uh, probably have seen that uh, we quote Joe McMonagle who says, well, what if I told you that every time you remote view, you get a little bit of the past and a little bit of the future, and no one ever talks about it. Um, and, and Ingo Swan, we also cite him, he says that when he was doing some experiments, the targets would kind of line up waiting to be called, and that time kind of melted in his mind as he was doing these experiments, which he was reporting on to Ed May at SRI, of course, and Ed being very hard-headed. Uh, there's no comments about what Ed had to say about that in the uh, UWG archives, but clearly Ingo thought something was going on and uh, Ed May didn't. And if you go back and read the research from the beginning of uh, PSI, you find that uh, people like uh, Waitley Carrington experienced displacement in time. And not only that, but another researcher named Sol, S-O-A-L, was getting all kinds of misses and, and Carrington said to him, why don't you calculate if there were hits, you know, plus one or plus or minus one in terms of the sequence of cards that these that your subjects are viewing. And so Sol did that and said, holy cow, there's just tremendous numbers of hits here. And J.B. Ryan also addressed this, you know, the guy who did basically put parapsychology on the map in the United States uh, was J.B. Ryan and did all these experience with his Zaner cards. Anyway, he experienced displacement in time too, and credited Carrington with that. So, um, and also in the book, uh, someone else suggested this when I was working on the lottery with uh, two remote viewers, someone suggested, why don't we look at past events, uh, past uh, results and see if there was displacement in time. And I, this is in chapter 21 of our book. And I did that and found an incredible number of lottery hits if I uh, took into account that the hit came one, two or three or four draws or days later. So here's something that's a displacement in time that can actually be a feature and not a bug. But granted, that as Daz says too, if you're going to remote view something else uh, in general, not talking about lottery or something, you want to try to get as accurately as possible into the narrow time frame. But I, so I just want to throw those ideas out there that are in our book and some aren't about uh, this thing about displacement in time. Silence. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, John. It's an interesting topic, isn't it? We I don't think any of us got a handle on this yet. It's yeah, very complex. Absolutely. Yeah. And if I can just add one thing, when I guess Paul asked about remote viewing, I always quote Hal Pudoff, you know, the nuclear physicist, the physicist, later physicist who was head of the Stargate, who was asked what how this stuff worked. What's your best estimate of how this stuff works? He was asked. He says, My best estimate is I don't have a clue. So if he can say that, I think we can still say it too. Although there's a lot more evidence and stuff, but we still don't know the fundamental underlying mechanism. So this whole business about time, right? If we go back to the Mishlove interview, uh, I think I brought up a question about um, you're basically perceiving all space and all time all at once. And he was nodding his head. That was the statement he made during his Ed May interview. 
new thinking allowed. And uh, so, in a sense, time is one just big sphere with one big container, one big thing. And I'm just wondering, how do you put a limit on that? Like, you know, how can I say, I just want to perceive stuff for the month of November, right? I mean, if we're getting all of this stuff, I mean, how can you even delimit all space and time into something like just November? Well, you're limiting it any, you know, if you're using, especially if you're using an RV process like CRV or one of the, one of the mutations, you're, you're doing that anyway, aren't you? Cause you're laser focusing your intent in very small key directions. You start off with a laser intent on just an ideogram, which is just a single gestalt of all the things that are in the universe. You're going for the most tiniest gestalt component. So you're lasering your intention there anyway. And then throughout the entire CRV process, you're lasering, but on different things. So you're lasering on sensories only. You know, you're in sensories. I only want smells at this exact moment in time. And for the next minute, all you get is smell data. Everything else is completely phased out of existence, other than maybe the possible AOLs that, that interrupt. All right. So so you're doing that. You're, and what, you're what, you're doing is you're, what you're doing is you're lasering with Intent. your with your body not your mind right you're it's got to be your body is doing this because your mind is connected to all space and time is it uh, i i think you're like an antenna you're connected to everything you know every part of you is connected all your hairs and everything um you're just focusing your intent and your bandwidth on a single thing at a single time but you can do the time thing and you you can be in a session and say okay you know i'm here in a session I want to move 12 hours into the future. And you write that down and then do your movement command and bang, you are there 12 hours in the future. And you've moved 12 hours in the future because you set your mind and your intent to do so. Yeah, this is hard to wrap your mind around, you know, this whole thing. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, the more you do it, the more you really do, you not realize, you actually do believe that the, uh, the capabilities of the human mind within yourself as a person are, are limitless the things that you could do which is, is a, shocking i was like the whole concept of time it's like there's no time really if there's no awareness to perceive a change in moment so it, it wouldn't seem that out of place for it to be that you could do these kind of movements with an rv because your awareness is kind of like a, a requirement to have a perception of time right if there was no awareness perceiving, there would be no passing of moments, so there wouldn't be time. So I think it's kind of like light and like a projector, something that actually sequences the um, the light that's coming through. It's like our bodies would be, our body and our mind would kind of be like the intermediate between all information and what we call reality, you know, what we perceive as reality. So yeah, that, 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 you know, without awareness, there's no time. If there was no conscious being perceiving, there would be no time to really speak about, right? So that's that's another thing to keep in mind. Okay, thank you. To add to that as well, I think what's, what's happening for us as well in RV is, and I think this comes from Ed May as well and research is entropy. Like when we're, when we're looking ahead to, or, or even in the past, but generally ahead, um, the events that have the most change and the most energy are the ones that we 
are where we seem to hone on the most. It's almost like if you're a you're a hunter and you know you're hunting for deer, like say in in the forest, and you're sat in you know you're sat in the stalking chair. Uh, you're looking out at the landscape. You only really focus in on something when you see change in the landscape. So you see something move in amongst the you know the trees and the brush, and that movement, that change, is then what focuses you in on that as a target. And I think that similar kind of thing happens in RV as well. You know, you're projecting out to the future looking for these these events but the big the big entropy events that change you know like like the volcano thing you know that was a huge entropy event with lots of change lots of energy that's why so many people not just us in crypto viewing but you know um um courtney brown's people and many other psychics and remote viewers all picked up and don you did yourself you you got the volcano stuff as well we all picked up and we all had a really cracking event that month because because there was so much energy and change actually that, that attracted our attention it's tricky this whole time thing yeah it's like um i keep i know it's, it's kind of a dumb idea but I, I keep wondering whether you know there's a mind and then there's your body your mind is connected to everything and your body is connected to the moment and are you like you know you're are we filtering from the mind down into the body because ultimately ultimately the body is writing this stuff down on the paper right uh, i'm not sure i even have a sound idea there let me back away from that <laughs> darn, darn. let me let me just have uh add something here because like we're thinking in four dimensions about how to travel through time but um I mean, there are 11 dimensions. And so all of your molecules, every atom in your body is vibrating across 11 dimensions. You're already in 11 dimensions where you're sitting. So is your brain and your mind, right? So you're opening your awareness in higher dimensions to receive information and that will distort time because when you're traveling at the speed of light time has a sort of a dilation and the faster you go the slower time goes which gives you more time to do whatever you need to do like get your information so you've got like infinity for that information to come to you from wherever it is and you're resonating at a certain frequency and that frequency is going to match the frequency of the thing you're looking for in the universe. That's how it kind of works. You have, and in remote viewing, it's weird because when you're blind, how do you already have this frequency in your mind? It comes from the ideogram. And like this time, I found my ideograms were just wild. They were drawing the pictures of the things I was viewing. So it's the ideogram is a very special thing it also seems to be operating in higher dimensions and maybe that's why it has to look like something that we don't understand maybe if we understood higher dimensions better ideograms would make so much sense right so thinking in terms of higher dimensions we're going through hyperspheres and hypertubes and we're tunneling and we're hopping and surfing over time warps so when we're looking for next month, 
you know, maybe we can learn how to task ourselves to focus in, in lower dimensions, maybe even just stay in four dimensions and we don't have to sort of travel so far. I'm not sure I'm learning this myself, how to task. The tasking is definitely the hardest part. So what do you think of that? I think that's kind of a cool idea, higher dimensions. Yeah, no, uh, there's, there's so much to this that I don't understand, you know, I'm just taking it one step at a time. You're not alone there, Don. Trust me. <laughs> um, <laughs> may I, I contribute to this? Yeah, go for it. Uh, just recently, there was a post uh, on Facebook about um, how the brain works, and it had to do something with 11 dimensions, something like that. And immediately, it rang the bell that, well, the strings, um, theory if you know it was it was developed in uh, 1980s and then it was dropped kind of because it had some flaws um it didn't kind of fit in um but it had the idea about the 11 dimensions as well so it just immediately kind of i made that link i mean it's it's just my subjective um uh, thinking you know oh then there could be some link maybe i mean kind of scientists and theoretical physicists they they kind of talk about well maybe string theory is really not that wrong and maybe some parts and bits and pieces are right it's just they don't have the full picture yet so uh that will be a beautiful day when the science catches up <laughs> to uh, to explain better what reality we're living in uh, biology linking to the physics um, and to the to the mathematics. I mean, mathematics kind of opens the door to pretty much all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, that's about the 11 dimensions. Um, there's a book, Elegant Universe from, um, gosh, what was his name? It's a very, very popular scientist. Um, anyway, it's, it's fun reading. Um, yeah. Well, if you there's you know you can have a dream where you think it's like years or, or days go by in a dream. So, you know, time is more of like a subjective thing. You know, really, when you break it down, like I was saying, awareness. You need awareness to experience time. So, in our waking state, we all have a, a seems to be a similar sense of what time the passing of time is. But you know, when you go into altered states, you can have a sense of timelessness. When you when you draw you can have a sense of timelessness and you know meditation and things like that so you know we might have it kind of like backwards at the end of the day okay uh let's move on to i think linda you've had your hand up for a while or was that from a yeah. previous question no no i i have another Excellent. uh it's not another topic it's always the same topic about the model of reality but um what i have been always wondering um we have remote viewing and the, the models that uh, uh grow out of that and then we have another let's say community the manifestation and law of attraction law of assumption that all we could say they are based on the idea on the observer effect that was postulated uh, that if there is an observer then the the uh, 
the particles will organize on the on the intention according to the intention and i what what i have been wondering if i do remote viewing i get all this all these pictures and um, uh, data in my mind which come um, yeah, they, they are just there when I am in a certain state. And I was thinking, I have like a sea of data and then I, they show up and then they go back into the sea again. And, and if I'm there and pick up something and then I focus on it because I want to see it, I want to, I want to translate it into something I can put down on the paper. Then I, am I not already kind of uh, put it into form if i'm going with the observer effect uh, then as soon as i focus on anything do i not confirm its existence and so i was thinking if i'm going with the law of it of, of manifestation and oh, there are many names they call uh, the way they call it but um, they they basically say all oh, the same thing. What I focus on will will manifest. So I'm I was thinking, well, how 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 can I uh, bring these two uh, sides together? Because if I'm listening to remote viewing uh, interviews or doing myself, I always have the sense that I'm like the uh, observer that gets the data from somewhere you know i'm not i'm just the observer i'm not any not influencing it but i know i i have the feeling that it must be something between the law of manifestation and 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 the observer what what are your thoughts about that anyone got anything to add to that one or comment wise do you think uh, do you think you're affecting the targets? Okay, so this goes back to the John Herlowski interview where he was talking about teaching an ERV class and they all went to the Titanic. And the students were having trouble finding the location, so he lit himself up as a beacon so that students could find him standing on the bow of the sunken Titanic. And then after, and they all, students all found him and they had a good session. And then someone asked the question, if I remove you, the Titanic now, will I see you there? And he said, no. That is very important, that statement right there. There is some difference between perceiving and, and the event that happened. I don't, this is the big question mark in my mind. What is going on there? So I didn't answer your question. All I'm doing is possibly further confusing the issue, but that's the, the thing that I got. I, now, I took, uh, can, can I just uh, add a little piece? Maybe all of you had already mani manifested something. Let's say um, someone 
pays me a coffee today at Starbucks like that. And then two hours later, you get invited to a coffee or something like that. We, I think we all have experience that we, we, we think something and we wish something, it's, it's a desire and then we manifest it. So it, it must have some truth to that, to the manifestation part, you know? So, um, yeah. I wanted to uh, go back to uh, Herlowski for a minute, if I could, since I took a course with him, I took his ERB course in LA. And I highly recommend it if uh, we ever get back to live courses and classes. And if you're in LA or wherever John may go, um, it was interesting in a lot of ways. One, he packed us together as in, like sardines uh, with sleeping bags and stuff on the floor. That's, I guess, to enhance our uh, Borg, Borg mindedness or something. And then when we also went to, I don't know if we looked at the Titanic, but something like that, he said, you know, try to see your, your, your comrades here when, you, when you're remote viewing and going into ERV and you go through the aperture and you get down there. There's all these uh, mental constructs that you, you build. And uh, I don't think anybody claimed they saw anybody else in that particular class. And, and I, I certainly didn't. But I think uh, some people say that, yes, you do leave a trace at the, at the uh, site when you remote view it, and other people say you don't. So there's a divided opinion on that. And I don't know if you can really do any studies on that that would be definitive. So I just wanted to add those few comments. Uh, did you ever have a remote viewing session where actually somebody started speaking to you? Me? Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, that's because uh, in transdimensional systems, we were encouraged to have conversations with, uh, with <laughs> any entities that we came in contact with. I seldom came in contact with paraphysicals, which was a column that TDS has in the matrix. But nonetheless, if you start having a, uh, an imaginary conversation, as I thought of it, then sure, I would start uh, not hearing visually in my head. It would be more like telepathic, like thoughts would come in. Um, and so some people uh, do actually, you know, hear voices and stuff. I don't, um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, just what was it last weekend? I was taking the introduction, introduction to ERV with Pam Coronado and Bill Ray. Bill Ray was a famous practitioner of ERV where he got 17 out of 19 sessions, correct? Or something like that. But they were talking about routinely opening conversations with people that they were encountering at, encountering at the site. Now, um, wrap your mind around that one a little bit. The only thing that I can figure with ERV is your eyes are closed. Um, and you can do that in normal RV, though, Don. You, you have conversations with people? Yeah, anytime there's a life form, I go inside the life form and get whatever data I want from them. Okay, now that is really important data. That means that's something I don't do. If you, if you, if, that's if you're comfortable with it. I know some people aren't comfortable with doing that. But if you sense there's a, a life form there, yeah, go inside, re, you know, see what they're feeling, thinking, what their motivations are, anything you want. It's this, all there is just this just made this whole two-hour session worthwhile that is a very important point i, I can't believe you haven't done that don <laughs> yeah no i you know what i it was taught to me in the class and i sort of like you know slid by that or whatever yeah but like uh, in crypto viewing um 
annoying does these as well. We we have two or three crypto targets each each month, which is looking at a cryptocurrency. Uh, one of the key parts that I do on that, and I think the others do as well, is I focus myself on the primary person, which is usually what we call the CEO or CFO, but the CEO. So I try to look at the CEO, and then they're describing them, and the other guys do do this as well. Uh, and uh, Dick is amazing actually sketching the people exactly as they look. I, I don't sketch people. I've seen his but, sketches. But I, you know, I go inside their head. I'm like, okay, you know, so it's a male. Yeah, he's 30. Oh, yeah, he's been to business college. He's doing this. He's really excited about this. This is what he's doing. He's got problems at home. Oh, yeah, he feels like he's going through some kind of legal issues to do with this cryptocurrency. So you can pick up all that kind of information just by just by probing any life that are at the target. Okay, so now let me just go into a little bit more detail here. Are you asking specific questions? In, uh, yes, and sometimes I'll write them on a sheet of paper, uh, you know, so I'll write them in brackets. Uh, what is this person's motivation? Or, or if I, I, I ask more, I delve more, if I'm honest, if I feel there's a little bit of an issue, because we're, we're looking at things for, to find if, if they're going to be hits or successes. So if I get any smidging of information, like there's some impropriety or issues there, I delve into it. Otherwise, if they're really pleased and they're really happy, I kind of gloss over it a little bit because I kind of think, okay, you know, there's, no, there's nothing to see here kind of thing. Well, when you do that, when you do that, are you speaking with their conscious mind or subconscious mind? I just thought about it because you are actually able to change their mind if they're not conscious aware of what you are. I think we never go anywhere as remote viewers, I think the information for the entire universe now, present and future is actually within us already. Yeah, but I'm thinking about when you said you're going into uh, talking with the, their personal entity that you actually see. When you do that, are you sure that you're talking with the person as the person there or is that a projection of whatever they have, what they're projecting in the subconscious mind and you're talking with that? there's there's no way of knowing okay. you're just just accessing data that's all it is for me is data no that's that's where i am is because that i always ping on the subconscious mind and i'm going okay how am i able to actually connect consciously with them that they actually understand that i'm talking with them you know in the, you know what i mean because yeah. i don't want to influence them to change the mind but i want to have yeah. a full conversation and that can be pretty hard this is where I think everyone's belief system shapes how, how they how, how they achieve what they're doing with Psy and RV. Depending on, you know, and, you know, I've known people in, in, our, in the RV circuit, and I've worked with them in groups, that think it is absolutely, you know, abhorrent and criminal to even think about uh, invading anyone's personal space in, in a target session. And because they think that, they can't do it and they won't do it. Uh, the, I, I understand you. I really do. Yeah, on the leaving, uh, on the, the do we affect targets though? I've looked at hundreds of thousands of remote viewing sessions now. You know all the Stargate stuff and everything, and there are some targets out there like targets on public websites like mine. You know targets like the Eiffel Tower that have a set date and time, and and thousands of people have done that that express one target, and. I, I've never had any people come back to me and say, oh, I did this remote viewing target. And whilst I was floating around looking at the Eiffel Tower, I saw a, I saw 10,000 other remote viewers that were there at the exact same time that I was looking at it. 
and I've never seen in a written remote viewing session in a proper project out of tens of thousands of experiments where any other remote viewer is ever encountered seeing any other remote viewer at the target when they've all worked group projects. No, what that's correct. One of the things they have actually have written about was that every time that you create that, you create your own box, which means you create your own FREDs. But when you look on the outside, means that you take and go into your helicopter view, you are able to see that each of these uh, uh, boxes of 3Ds that you're creating, you can see all of them, but you doesn't you see them as layers within a box. So in in the end, it becomes a, a complete ball of of, uh, of realities that people are creating. It's very interesting. Yeah. I'll I'll ping you one day with it, uh, what I have. <coughs> Excellent. Uh, okay, so I think uh, Erica's next on the on with the hand up. Uh, yeah, I mean the whole universe. I mean that's that's scientifically analyzed and looked at. It's basically data. I mean we can it's up and down quark, uh, and um, you can project everything that we have um, as bits. Uh, on the uh, surface of a black hole. It's mathematically has been looked at and you can listen to uh, lectures from Stanford University uh, by Leonard Susskind, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, and other uh, major, uh, major grants of academia. Uh, so um, if you look from that standpoint, but yeah, everything is data. Oh, gosh, what a wonderful simulation that is. <laughs> Complex simulation. And then um, I, one thing that I have in mind, uh, I didn't ask Lynn, um, because I thought I already asked too many questions, but in his book, uh, he mentioned that there was an experiment um, that he had to uh, look at. Uh, it, was, it had to do with, so it was some physics experiment in some lab, maybe you know what I'm talking about. And he looked at the particles. Uh, he was looking at the particles uh, in that experiment. Um, I think it was some collider type thing. And um, later he found out that uh, the results of this experiment were somehow um, influenced, uh, I mean, the researchers who were conducting this experiment, they found some anomalies in this experiment. And Lynn never got a full picture of, was it him or, or was it just, you know, something else? And so that kind of keeps, I think it's the level of interaction that you consciously or unconsciously happen to have yes. during yeah. that session. So that's why there's also remote influencing, which, well, yeah. The only I can say is that try to play with the hockey play, hockey players' minds when they're playing the game or something like that. It's going to be fun. It's not good, but not mm -hmm. evil. But I mean, that's just one thing. And the other thing about the interaction on the site, um, I don't know, it could be just all my imagination, but the fact was that it was just one of the blind targets. I don't know. I don't remember on which site it was, but I went through through a lot of them. So do you mind telling me that or can I, it, it's, I'll try to be fast. <laughs> so basically um, blind target, uh, I was in my office as usually, you know, just um, 
at the end of the working day and just going through and I didn't have enough time, but, and something odd started to come up. Like somehow I kind of saw orbs. Like I, usually I stand up, I walk around, I feel around, you know, and I start to see, see orbs and things like that. And just very, very, very present, very present environment. And I was like, okay, I got to go home. You know, it's late. Maybe I'm tired. The next day I come in the morning and um, start my day with an RV session at the office just to calm my mind. And um, um, for some reason, I perceived this uh, conscious being, I guess, who is kind of sitting and waiting for me. Huge, huge, huge being. I didn't draw any details, but it invited me to, to follow, to go in somewhere in the shaft, like, like in the shaft in the ground. And then I did some other paper stuff and it there's some explosions and things like some some manufacturing type stuff you know but it wanted me to follow it I, I was like it could be just my imagination and I was like okay this is I'm not into it I'm just drawing I'm just training whoever's there I'm just training you know and and such an ending ended I got my feedback I'm not telling it you right now but the next similar not very similar session but the same vibe I got maybe a year, years later on a different uh, remote session where I really got the same vibe. When I opened and looked, uh, got my feedback, it was site in Antarctica. What was the site where the pyramids are? I mean, kind of, it, it's thought that there are pyramids, you know, uh, underneath this ice. So, and that location was in the distance. The first target that I was doing way before, it, the question was how were the uh, pyramids built? I, I mean, it could be just my imagination, but it was quite a heck of an imagination in that case. And it wasn't the only interaction I had. So I just kind of, both times I stayed away. And I mean, there was time difference between the two sessions. They were from different RV sites. The first one was probably, I, no, I don't remember. So that's one. I had some other weird interactions where I was warned not to go further. I went and session got interrupted by some different things from the outside. And the session just ended up there. And, it, and then later I looked it up, got my feedback, and it was some spiritual site of somewhere in South America. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful site. But uh, yeah, so interactions at the site. How far do you go? <laughs> Um, I try not to go too far because I have no clue how how is it done. And I think it's just part of where we are as humans locked in right now. And it is very possible that we have way more abilities. It's just we are locked in. That's how I feel about us. Yeah. And some of us are aware that we are locked in and we are playing around with remote viewing or some other things. Other people are doing witchcraft, not knowing what they are doing, you know. <laughs> um yeah, and most other people are just blind. You can see it in their eyes. They have blinders on them. I mean, that's that's how I see. But uh, I think it's the levels of interaction that we are able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, your your mind is extremely curious and knows you what is not just here but beyond, which means that when you finally completely open and you get at it. And you try to shut it down, your mind is going to go, no, 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 this is a candy store. You know, so basically what's going to happen is say, even that if you go to sleep, 
your mind is still going to go, okay, we got to go have a party, you know? So you might wake up and feel like, oh my gosh, what I've been doing all night is basically you've been open up to a world that your, your, your body and your mind is not used to. And that's basically what's going to happen. I believe that for everyone, even though that you shut down, your mind is still going to go and say, hey, I want to see more and I want to try more. I want to taste more. I want to feel and so forth. And it's going to be something that's drilling in the back of your mind at all times. Yeah, and this is one of the questions that I asked um, uh, Mishlo uh, during the past uh, session that we had as well, is about kids. I mean, kids use, uh, most of the kids, not all, um, they, they say they remember their past lives, they're different mommy, different daddy, they, they were killed somewhere, they remember everything vividly. Some say kind of, close quotes, ghosts. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, um, they say more and then it gets shut down. I mean, it could be due to natural body evolution of the body of the brain, but I think most, not most, but most of it is due to conditioning, due to social conditioning. And uh, so uh, I think, well, I some, yeah, I, I want to add it to the point where I'm saying, you know, it's a, if you have a, a son or daughter that says, hey, mama, see a pink elephant, you know, and they point out in the middle of nowhere, you can't see it. You're going to say, hey, there's no such thing. We're still in a society. Well, I, I think we mentioned this earlier. We're still in a society that if we open up and say, hey, we see this, we touch this, we tried this and so forth, you know, a, I, I saw my, my girlfriend in her NDE, she came and talked with me. If I had to tell that to everyone in my family, they will think that I'm crazy, right? So we're still in that form that, you know, the world around us think that this is crazy. And as long as we live in this world, the boy, you know, the kids will be shut down, not just by the family, but by the school, the friends, and everything else in society that doesn't believe in this. So why are they shut down? This is the reason why. Excellent, thanks for that guys. Uh, John, you've had sense? your hand up for a while. Yes, um, yeah, I wanted to shift gears a bit. Um, I had a very unusual experience uh, for the first time in my life and I've met two other people who had a similar experience. And I wonder if anyone else has here, and if so, please put it in the chat so I can get in touch with you. I don't want to take you know half an hour to, to discuss it all. At least I don't think we should since we're almost out of time. But this was the experience. I'm sitting at my desk and I'm, I guess, looking at the computer monitor. I'm not sure what I was doing. It's happened a couple of times. All of a sudden, it's like a, an aperture <laughs> opens and I'm looking into a room clear as day, like a photograph, like I'm a, 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 a camera. And I'm, I can almost be inside the room. I can look inside the room. I think it was like my own living room maybe, but also there was another instance when it was something else. Now the two people I've talked to apparently use it for PSI, for SI, for remote viewing. Uh, although I'm gonna find out more about that shortly. I don't connect it with remote viewing directly, but these folks may, and I'm wondering if anybody else has that experience when they're remote viewing or has had that experience period because I've been alive many decades never had anything like that wasn't drinking or anything or I don't smoke marijuana if nothing you know just ordinary um, so that's my question if anyone else had that experience 
and wants to talk briefly about it here since time is short, or, or please put it into the chat and I'll, I'll try to get in touch with you if you're interested, if anyone's had that experience. Thank you. Thanks, uh, John. Yeah, add it to the chat window for John and then he can uh, contact you and get some info on that. That'd be great. Don, you've also had your hand up there for a while. Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, John, uh, to comment on your thing, did you see a lens move into place? No, it was more like uh, something opened up, like the portal or something just opened up. Did it open? Did it open like one of those circular things, like you know, like a camera lens aperture? Maybe sort of, but it's vague in my mind. It was more like, boy, wow, what is that? It's there, and I could sort of stick my mind into it, my 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 mind, body, my bio mind into it somehow. Okay, so. We need to talk about that. All right, so that's the one thing. So the other thing is, back, Des, back to you. Detecting humans or beings at a site, is that because you've got the little loop in the ideogram? Is that where you're getting your humans? Um, sometimes they appear in, in the ideograms, uh, you know, to let me know that there's, a, there's life at the target. Sometimes I'll just pick them up in stage, you know, two, three, and four. Uh, okay. So I, it seems like I get an awful lot of event things and the event things describe the periphery of the, uh, that's there and so on. And uh, a lot of times I can intuit that there are people there without actually seeing them, um, um, in the ideogram or whatever. Just ask yourself a question, you know, so whatever, you're, whatever method you're using, uh, you know, write it in, in, in a brackets or something so you know that you're you're doing it, you know, it's recorded. So just say, you know, whatever the event is or wherever you are at the target, uh, cue yourself with, are there, are, is there any life here? Uh, you know, in brackets, then write your ideogram or put your pen to paper and just write what feels right, yes or no. And if there are, then, then probe them and get more data. Perfect. That's everything I need. Because uh, it's like what I've been, because I'm, I'm teaching someone here at the moment CRV and it's, uh, as I keep trying to drum into them, um, you're, you're a detective, essentially. You're, you're Sherlock Holmes on a case uh, and you, you're looking for clues, you're looking for information. And the more, you, you know, you can't wait for the information to come to you because this is, if you're using a method like controlled remote viewing or one of the, one of the mutations, the data does flow to a certain degree, but the method is created in a way uh, to give you structure, to make you work the target. You have to work it. So you have to start saying yourself, okay, what is this? How can I get more from this? You know, you don't wait for the data to come to you. You cue yourself using the tools, the matrix sheet on the, on the paper, whatever, uh, with whatever you can do to try to tease more information out from the target. Yes. So are you looking at your S2s and basing your questions on your S2s? Uh, the stage two stuff for me is just, you know, it's just colors, textures, taste, and all that. Kind of stuff. It's too basic. Uh, mainly I get the more high level data from stage three onwards. You know, I get some good sketch stuff. But I can okay. start probing and stuff. But, you, okay. know, you, you know, in stage, I was saying if you're doing a CRE or a CRV or a derivative of it, uh, you, in stage three and four is where you really start probing, moving yourself around. You know, you use that matrix to really push the envelope, you know, and you only get out of your remote viewing session what you put into it as, in, as, a, as a person in hard work. 
You know, you can't sit back and say, okay, why aren't the data coming to me? We're All the right. target. <laughs> All right, so you're going to relate to this, and I bet you a lot of people that are remote viewing are going to relate to this, and that is you get up to a certain point in your session and you feel like, I'm done. But really, after you get your feedback, you realize, damn it, I wasn't done. Yeah. It, it depends where it, you is, are. Is, is that some sort of plateau? Is that, you know, you do reach those plateaus, but there are tools to make yourself go on as well. So like if you're in stage four or something and you're like, you know, you can feel the clusters of data coming in three or four words. And then you kind of like you get to a point where it tapers out and there's like nothing and there's there's a pause. Then do other things like, you know, as I said, movement commands, move yourself. OK, I'm at a target. I feel there's a structure. Move me inside the structure. What's it like inside or move me above or move me behind it or underneath it? Or, you know, you could literally just draw an idiot, another ideogram and that ideogram will spark connect again and give you that new kind of data flow. So there's loads of, you know, the data drives that for all of us, but there's ways to move yourself and re-energize yourself to, to get more data. Or like all stage right. five, um, in, like I was teaching uh, Dimi here some stage five stuff today. Like I look at, if I get a word that's not my common everyday language, I underline that in my RV session or... Uh, if I find an AOL that's interesting, I'll then take that word or that AOL into stage five and then I'll break that down into all its constituent little parts and bits just to tease more data. And that in itself may be enough to, to, to reignite the data stream for me to then go back into another stage of stage four and do more and more and more matrix stuff. All right. I don't want to hog this session, but I think you've answered the question beautifully. Thank you very much. Yeah work all i can say is you've got to work the target yeah gotcha all right thank you anyone else with anything they want to share or any questions or something i don't know if i've missed anything in the chat window Henny, no. you had your hand up and then minute did you take it down or yeah but basically that's what's saying the same uh like with Lori, we are we are learning um a lot of movements. She's teaching us a structure in a way to like have a basic um, understanding and a basic movement list that you go through when you are working targets. Like uh, if you have an event, then make sure you move to the people's involved, make sure you move X time before the event happened, make sure you move after the event happened if, it, if you want to pinpoint the location, make sure you check for landmarks. Make sure you, you, you look around uh, the target site to get as much uh, verifiable surrounding looks as you can. So basically, I think after a while, when you, you are beyond the point of you know, struggling, whether you can remote view or not, most of the learning comes from uh, having, having uh, the knowledge or a procedure to go through a target in a way that is thorough, like you may make it a second nature for yourself. Like, okay, I'm here at the target. I look this way. I look that way. I move back in time. I check for the people around. And uh, in the end, no matter whether you feel you are done or not, if you go through all these moves and you explore the targets space-wise, times-wise, people-wise, then chances are you are gonna have a good session, uh, whether you felt like you were finished with the target after five minutes or not, because you just you you just have like really 
thorough uh, data on it. Okay, thanks. Uh, it sounds like I need to create this list of action items. I can send you a lot of. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did have one, Don, as well. I had a I had a little sheet that uh, people could print out and put at the end, you know, put up by the side of the energy RV, and had like this check checklist of things to do before you finish your session. You know, make sure you've done it. I'll see if I can find that out again. Okay, great. Thank you. Anything else anyone wants to add or ask or comment on? I don't think I've missed anything in the chat window. Very early on, someone asked if I looked at the uh, the new sessions to see if there was anything in them. Uh, and I have to say, I haven't looked at any of them because, you know, I literally did my own news uh, yesterday and I'm going to have to do another one tomorrow because I'm not keen on it. So I purposely did not look at any of the sessions any of you guys submitted so far. I had a question, Des. Yeah, go um, for it. Um, I find, well, I, I guess I, I, I never learned beyond stage four, so that's kind of like a qualification, really. But um, I find that um, I run out of steam after about 45 minutes. I was also taught that if you're going on longer than that, you probably should stop anyway because, you know, it's kind of a... Um, not uh, you know it's kind of you're in diminishing returns um and i just i don't know whether that's true because you know with what you're saying you know do a move here check for this do that stay with it that sort of thing that sounds like you could go for much much longer around a target um yeah yeah uh yeah you can um and don't be afraid to take a break you know write break on the sheet of paper go off and make yourself a coffee or a hot chocolate cup of tea whatever you want walk around the garden, uh, come back, and then re try to reignite the flow of an ideogram. Or maybe go away, have your coffee or your cup of tea, come back and read for your RV session again, but, you know, slowly, kind of asking yourself the question, have I missed anything here? You know, is there anything glaringly obvious that I just haven't looked at? And then mm. literally, you know, look at that and then restart restart the flow with, a, with an ideogram or a movement command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. But yeah, don't be afraid to take a 5, 10, 15 minute. You know, I've taken a break of a couple of days before. You know, it's been too much. I've said, okay, I'll, I'll have a couple I'll have a couple of day break and I'll come straight back to it later on. How do you deal with, um, you know, this, this thing is chuntering away in the background. How do you deal with, um, a, you know, an overlay that, or, or, or a kind of an, an imagined thing that's, that's uh, you know, more data and more sort of imagination than that, that is actually data then in that, in that situation? That's a hard one. We all struggle with that. Um, and that's why I'm having to redo the news again uh, t tomorrow, my news prediction, because the data w that I was getting was so powerful. I just kept getting these really strong visuals. Uh, it doesn't happen yeah. to me a lot, but sometimes the, 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 the visuals are so overpowering that I, yeah, I literally, even I have problems uh, with them. Um, it's just something yeah. you, you have to try to learn to cope with over time, I think. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's just, it's just, you know, I think it's ingrained in all of us in, as part of the process. It does get, all I can say is it does get easier. It doesn't happen to me a lot. You know, AOLs don't seem to phase me hardly at all nowadays. And I, I think Niam would be the same as well, you know, because he's done thousands of these now as well. Um, mm. Yeah. It's practice, you know, it is practice. But, you know, be careful as well, because if you've been towed, that you shouldn't go past 45 minutes, that's a, that's a bit of an ingrained ritual thing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm hearing that with the, the, the you know, like the, the struts and the frames you talk with that you don't imagine yeah. that they actually are landing in that way, but actually they probably did. So yeah. yeah, it's like what we were talking about with all the other subjects previously. Um, I think we're so unique as individuals that what we believe within ourselves, we we create as our reality. You know, so if you believe you can't go past 45 minutes, you might be creating that reality for yourself. Whereas some viewers believe that it's, it's, it's wrong for them to win money on the lottery. They won't win money on the lottery doing our, you know, I think we really do create these, uh, you know, because the mind is, is such a powerful tool. But thanks for asking. Great question. Uh, Linda, you have your hand up again. Yeah, just something short. If we could do just one minute, all together focus on the lamp to get it purple. Just one minute, 60 seconds, and see if, because it, 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 I think we forgot it a bit. Okay, go for it. Yeah, we are together, not only me. <laughs> what color? Are we all going to try to do the same color? Purple, I believe. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't see that. Not sure the lamp's playing with us this evening. Uh, something, ro something wrong with that lamp. It should be purple by now. Has it crashed? Sasha, can you turn it off and on again? <laughs> um, and as the last few questions, uh, I think Deborah's got had her hand up for a while as well. Yeah, I just wanted to say I noticed something really interesting doing this last uh, look forward into the month is that my ideogram seems to stay hooked in. Like when we're talking about taking a break, like I took a break for a day and my <coughs> ideogram, I came back and I touched it and it was right there. I could still get all the information I needed. There's something really special about an ideogram. And then I was finding, I didn't even have to touch the ideogram anymore. I could just sort of incline my intention towards it and I could get information from it. It's freaking me out a bit. It's so cool. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to working with more ideograms. I may do a couple more tonight just to submit a couple more looks into November. We'll see. It is energy consuming. I do find it a bit draining as well, but I'm getting better at it. But this, um, about the ideogram, I don't know. Mine just seemed to stay connected to the target once. I've drawn it. It's really, I don't know if other people find that. Um, 
my ideograms, I can come back to them days later. I can just pick up the session exactly where I left off. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to ask, here's my last question. Do you think that if, say, I submit my ideogram to the group, and if you guys probed it, could you get information from my ideogram? Now, that is something I'm really curious about. <laughs> this is a, a question that I actually asked Henny if we wanted to exchange ideograms, because I was certain that we would be able to um, uh, figure out from each other's ideogram what they were experiencing. Well, we we uh, we access the target through someone else's target number, so I wouldn't see it anything crazy to be able to get data from their ideogram. Anyone got anything else to add on that one for Deborah? I guess we're not helping you much on that one tonight, Deborah. Well, you know, it's a brand new question, and it looks like Dawn has been asking the same thing. Maybe might be something to explore. Like, I already have thoughts that, you know, how could I lie about my ideogram if there's another viewer who could just. Deborah, Deborah, your mic's gone. You, you're speaking not very clearly into your mic again. Am, am I clear? Slightly better now, yes. Okay, it's it's maybe this is a reception thing now. Last How's this? Last much better. Yeah, I just I moved the computer. So, oh, and so um, yeah, I figure I'm wondering if if um ideograms are interchangeable that way or if you need to maybe you need to to draw the coordinates before uh contacting someone else's ideogram i don't know maybe an experiment might be has there any been done maybe i wonder i'm confused uh can you go for the problem again for me what you what problem so, are you having i'm saying i'm wondering if I draw an ideogram and I send it to you. Can you probe that ideogram and get the same information from it that I get? Maybe. But why would I? It, it, generally, ideograms are a personal language, but it, I do believe, and this is debatable, some people debate this with me, that I do believe there is a commonality between ideograms, you know, a human language thing. Um, yeah, I me too. And this is what I'm getting at. Like, it seems the ideogram stays connected to the target. So it seems like if it's connected to the target, that anyone should be able to access the information from it, not just the one who drew it. That's all I'm wondering. Is it like that? Um, or, or am I the only one that can get the information from my ideogram? Um, again, it's this is down to belief systems. Paul Smith and the pure Ingo way of doing things would have you believe that ideogram process is individual to you and it doesn't they never look like the target I'm of a different school of thought being a designer I'm a school of thought that there's a common human language that you ask anyone around the world no matter their age to draw an ideogram of water and it would be a wavy line and the ideogram of a person will be a stick figure um so I do believe that there is a common language and some ideograms will be 
able to be interpreted by other people. But saying that, I'm doing an ideogram uh, experiment at the moment, and some of the people that are participating in the ideogram experiment, their ideograms for things like water and structures and people and stuff do not have any of the commonalities that you generally see across all, all borders. So it could go either way, I think, on that one. Yeah, I think we're all I think we're all individuals, um, you know, and CRV ways true and it works. And I think the other alternative CRV way is true as well, because, you know, there is no true wave for human beings because we're all completely different. Some of us draw water as a wavy line. Some of us draw water as a it's just a random squiggle. Um, yeah. Well, you see, when you're talking about moving around to the target, like I find my ideograms move me through the target. Like I draw a quite elaborate ideogram, not just a single sort of one. And so the ideogram is a story and it moves me through the target. Like one of my targets um, was, a, you know, an event. And yet there is a plane in it and someone gets on a plane and, and like that doesn't seem to be integral to the event, but for me, I seem to like planes, if you've looked at my work. And so I get drawn to this, the plane part of the story as well as the rest of the story, but yet that part of the ideogram is a very important part of the picture that the ideogram makes of the story. So um, I'm beginning to think that the ideogram is somewhat objective from me. If there is some way that it has its own character and it, the information, when I probe it, when I touch the ideogram, it's just full of information. And uh, again, like, I, like Dawn, I started to wonder if someone else, if they touched it, would get that information that I'm getting. And I'm wondering how that works. And so, you know, it's just a process, but I think we should experiment might be fun. It's the, it's the one thing that, that, that I... it's never been, I don't think it's ever been done, um, but it's, yeah, it's possible. I mean, as I said, I would get the information visually, um, but not always in all cases, but yeah, it's, it, it could be an easy experiment to do. The other thing that I'd like to add to this, Deborah, is um, I've noticed that the more I remove you, the more complex my ideograms have become so much to the point that I need to start thinking about separating parts off. This means this, this means this, and so on. Sometimes I can't interpret the ideogram as one thing. It's more like well, multiple things. That sounds, like you, a, that sounds like a standard CRV multiple ideogram, Don. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's made up yeah. of the different forms. So you'll have, uh, you'll have a person form in there, and then you'll have a, a form for the land will come, come in. Then there's a movement of energy will be the next part, and you divide it up. Yeah. into its parts and it's like a story of joined ideograms all it is a story yes yeah. yes yes it is and i invite this because i find the more information impact impacted in that ideogram the better i'm getting at interpreting them so um yeah. it's uh it's pretty amazing really yeah the ideogram process is an ongoing process it starts off very rudimentary because you know at first you're scared of what you're doing you don't know what you're doing you don't know if you're doing it right um but over the years it changes with you as a person and it becomes more intimate and it becomes a real 
intimate journeying knowing yourself uh i love the ideograms you know i can now i can now target just by just by the ideogram stage yeah you know it tells i was getting so much out of my ideograms this time it was just i yeah. could hardly get past stage stage one <laughs> so everything about the target is literally combined in that in that that split second that you wrote your your ideogram and the rest of the rv session is just unpacking all the information that's contained in that ideogram yeah and by the way and i don't know if this is just for me or what but when i draw my ideograms i no longer just scribble okay i twist the pen as i'm doing it i allow my body to move my arm and twist the pen that gets additional detail in the ideogram mm -hmm. that detail is decodable yes. um it, just throwing that out there yeah no i've seen that i i've done like these little i haven't got any examples i can show you but i've done these little like i do like people in my ideograms as like a little circle with a line a bit like a stick figure sometimes if it's just got a tiny little flourish on a certain element of it, I know that that means something important, like it's a person holding an object, like a gun or something. Just by having a tiny little bit of a flourish of the pen, that instantly tells me that there's something different about that that ideogram that I need to take uh, attention of. Do you ever close your eyes when you do it? Uh, sorry, I, I didn't hear that. Sorry, do you ever close your eyes? Uh, no, no. No, I don't think I, do. I don't think I do anyway. I'm just trying to think. I don't either, uh, and I just let it do it. The thing is, letting it do it. it yes. Just, just let it do it. And that takes yeah, some time to learn to let your hand do what it wants, rather than you telling it what you think you want it to do. It's very subtle difference there. I don't even look at my hand when I'm drawing the ideogram. I use um, my my Fuji pen from Japan. It's a paintbrush, and uh, I don't even look. I kind of just feel it. Yeah, it is an awesome, uh, yeah, an awesome part of the process that Ingo Swan uh, borrowed for that. Yeah, very good. Excellent. So we're we're just over two hours here, guys. Have we got any last questions, or should we wrap this one up for today? Excellent. Well, we'll wrap this one up then. I want to thank you all for some great questions and comments and answers tonight. Uh, lots of really useful information for all of us there. And, you know, some things that we should dwell upon as well, especially with the uh, the thoughts of uh, do we affect targets in time and how that affects targets as well, because it's just one big conundrum. Um, all the people that have done the RV sessions for the news, I'll get in touch with you separately so you can have a look at the folder that I'll put up online. And those of you that want to talk about it, we won't do it next week because um, I probably won't do a meeting next week because it's bonfire night here in the UK. And if my grandson's around, he may want to see some fireworks and stuff. Um, so we'll probably do it on the 12th, Friday, the 12th of November. And before that date, uh, well, before that date, any of you that are interested, I will definitely have the next eight martinis out over the next few days with all the very interesting ingo swan conversations with aliens rv sessions in it for you to have a look at uh, and we'll probably to be honest on that 12 on the 12th there as well as doing the prediction stuff we might want to talk about that stuff because i'm sure a lot of you can ask some really interesting questions about ingo's conversations with these beings on the moon that you'll you'll want to discuss so have a good great week uh, uh, and a great weekend as well and thank you everyone for for your great stuff tonight all right, thank you, Des.
Take care. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, Des. Thanks for listening to The Signal Line, a remote viewing podcast. Don't forget to check out remoteviewed.com for remote viewing resources or our videos on YouTube under Remote Viewed.